What's going on, everybody? This is your boy, Marin, with Intuitive Minds Podcast. And today's guest, we have a very, very special one, a legendary one. We'd like to call her the Jimi Hendrix of modern-day guitarist. Her name is Ari O'Neill. How are you today, Ari? Uh, I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Hanging in there. How's everything going? Yeah, everything is good over here. Good. Voted today, feeling good. Mm-hmm. Everybody should go out there and vote if you haven't voted. So it's crucial at this time. So yeah it's an anxiety situation right now so we'll see yeah (laughs) but uh so break down on who ari o'neill is and where she's from and how did she get started in the industry well definitely i know damn Jimi hendrix that's crazy (laughs) i appreciate that though Mm -hmm. whoa um i'm from maryland um the dmv area yeah the dmv area Mm -hmm. literally we grew up on St. Barnabas Road in Temple Hill, so really, really, really close, maybe not even five minutes away from Southeast D.C. Yeah, I'm uh, 30 minutes away from you. I'm in the Virginia area. Nice. Okay. Yeah, so there's, so there's, we're going to talk a lot about the DMV area because we both can relate on it. So I've been here for about 20 years. So. Wow. Okay, okay. Yeah. What's up? <laughs> cool. Yep, yep. But yeah, I am. Um, I'm the second oldest of nine children. Nice. Same mom, same dad, still married. And yeah, I always had music in my life because of my family. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was natural for me to do something with music just because everybody in my family is very creative. So mm-hmm. I've been doing it since I was well, playing guitar since I was about 10. Mm. Is there was there any other instrumental holds in the household, or was there just guitarist or? Well, we we all started on piano. Mm. I mean, it's nothing that I pursued later on, but we started with piano with my grandmother. And when I was a young teenager, I was teaching myself, and I was getting pretty good at it. But then I started focusing more on guitar. Mm. Who who would you say are some of your like inspirations when you picked up the guitar? Uh, when I was younger, um, I was really, really heavy into jazz. So, mm. um, George Benson, Ronnie Jordan, Joe Pass, um, Barney Kessel. Yes, um, a lot of, you know, jazz cats. But now I've transitioned more so into like gospel R&B cats. So, Isaiah Sharkey, mm. Agape Woodland, J-Mo. Um, you know, so, so I mean, a lot, a lot more. Yeah, I'm, and I'm pretty sure all of these different varieties help you create as well in the guitar. You know what I mean? Come up with oh, different yeah. variations and stuff like that. Have you thought about like maybe coming up with a solo album at some point? Or I've thought about it, but it's just, it's just not. That's not the space that I'm in right now. Mm-hmm. But I, I would like to do that one day. But I still feel like there's a lot more that I need to learn. If I'm going to do an album, I really want to be able to express all the things that I have in my mind. Mm-hmm. And right now, I can't do that. So mm-hmm. I'd rather wait until I know how to express what I hear in my head first so that I don't have to compromise. Yeah. I mean, it's tough for a lot of creatives. A lot of creatives right now have a lot of roadblocks because uh, they've been stuck at home. And there was actually a scientific proof or something like that. Somebody said that. If you're staying home for too long, people are going to lose their creativity and they're not going to be able to be as much as creative. A lot of things will be repetitive. So I don't know how. I mean, I agree with that, but I also disagree. I think it, it does get harder, especially when you're used to going out to like jam sessions mm-hmm. and concerts and things like that. But, you know, I was homeschooled. Me and my siblings, we were all homeschooled. I feel like, you know, that's where I learned the most. And I didn't have any friends. I was oh, okay. very um, scared of people, <laughs> <laughs> extremely shy mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. nervous around people I didn't know. Mm-hmm. So all I did was stay in my room and watch YouTube videos and practice and nice. do videos for my YouTube and Facebook because I didn't have any friends. But I mm-hmm. felt like I, I learned the most there. Mm-hmm. That, what, at what point did you realize that, you know what, I need to actually tap into this creativity because you said like you grew up in a very creative what was your moment when you realized I need to be creative like my family? Like, what was that moment for you like? I think it was just as soon as I picked up the guitar. Mm-hmm. Like, I've always been interested in, like, challenging things. Mm-hmm. 
especially because I like I like figuring things out, like that feeling when you finally figure something out. Mm-hmm. But I always had issues where, you know, I would allow it to frustrate me. Like I would think I was stupid because I couldn't figure it out. Like mm-hmm. how come I can't figure this thing out? Like I used to be really, really good at math. Mm-hmm. But when there was a problem that would stop me, sometimes for days, I would just cry because I couldn't understand, like, how come I don't get it? <laughs> mm-hmm. So even with music, like, guitar was kind of like that thing for me where when when I got it, it made me feel so good to mm-hmm. finally get this piece. And I want to play it just like my teacher, if not better. You know, I loved impressing my teacher and my parents. And, but when I couldn't get it, I was so frustrated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But... I was so fascinated when I finally would get it. Like, ah, that's what it was. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I think that's, that's always been something that I've admired about it. It's Mm -hmm. something that you can never really figure out, but when you start figuring out the little pieces, it's so nice. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's, it's less challenging and your whole door of creativity come becomes open. And you don't know. And sometimes that actually can be a trick too, because it's like, Oh my God, I have this power now. Yeah. How do I utilize it? What yeah. do I do? Like that's now that's the next step. That's like a little bit tricky. But once you figure that one out, it's like game over. I got this. Yeah, yeah it's it's yeah. <laughs> once the pieces start to once you start figuring out how to, out how to connect stuff, mm-hmm. like that's when you're like, okay, yeah, I should be doing this mm-hmm. because between scales and learning songs and you know. Uh, different things like learning different pieces like it's cool to learn those things but once you learn how to actually use them Mm -hmm. together Mm -hmm. man it's it's a wild feeling Mm -hmm. like i mean if you especially if you've done like piano i could definitely see you doing like a solo guitar mixed with piano in there but all yourself like that would be kind of dope man i wish i mean that could be you could you know you could do it you got the equipment you've got the talent you've got nine siblings to look to look forward to like helping you with it so i mean yeah i, I i'm the only one who kept going with music though so ah. um my little sister she's play bass and she can sing really well mm. my older sister she can sing my younger brothers they used to play like drums and stuff like that mm-hmm. my mother was a dancer all of my sisters were dancers i, I started dancing but I decided that I love music more than that. So I stopped when I was really young. My brothers, they all dance. So I was the only one who kept up with guitar. So I don't think anybody could really help me in my family uh, right now. <laughs> Except for my uncle PJ. He's killing it, sex. But my immediate family, no. Nah. <laughs> hey, you never know. Uh, now, you obviously broke out and moved out of the whole house and stuff like that. And there was a period of time where you actually lived in, in, in your car. And how did, how did that help you mold? you as a character and as a person and be able to create as a person it was, it was just that thing where i just had to figure it out like i knew i couldn't go home mm-hmm. um there wasn't any space for me there and mm-hmm. i just graduated from school and i had heard stories about it before mm-hmm. of like the grind of music like how you're not always gonna have money and you're not always gonna have a gig and you're really gonna struggle trying to figure it out but mm-hmm. you can't do anything else it's kind of like you don't feel right mm-hmm. so even when i was in my car it's kind of like you know i wasn't it was rough but there have been worse moments in my life and i was living somewhere mm-hmm. you know at least and when i was in my car i knew i would get up and all day i could go to work i could see my friends go do my gigs, jam sessions. And, mm-hmm. you know, I was satisfied with the day and at least I had a car to sleep in. And I always had an option to go somewhere. Like I had my line sisters who were keeping my stuff. None of them knew hmm. my family. Nobody knew. And I didn't <laughs> want to tell them because I really just wanted to figure it out myself. Right. Yeah. yeah. And then obviously, obviously you still apply some of the stuff that you've learned uh, from then, back then today there's some key things that you've learned that you apply to life because that's pretty oh, yeah. rough. Yeah. That's, that's a pretty rough, you know, adjustment. And like you said, a lot of artists, they, it's a struggle for them. They either sleep, sleep in cars and then they, the next thing is, how do I find gas? How do I find food? You know, maybe I need, I need a warmer blanket now because winter time. So it's, 
I've seen I've seen a lot of friends go through that, and it's like their their body just goes completely deteriorating. Like they they get super skinny. They they just like when they see a hot plate, it's like whoa. Like so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't as dramatic for me just yeah. because <laughs> I like we've been through that before. Like my family has seen financial hardships to the point where I like you have to be creative. My parents are so creative. Mm-hmm. I remember thinking that there was nothing in the cabinets, but my mom and my dad would fix up something and you would think that they just went to the store Yeah. or it's cold outside and the heat doesn't work. So because the heat doesn't work, my mom would put the blankets in the dryer so she could heat them up. Mm-hmm. And then we would just sleep with the warm blanket until it got too cold, and then she would just put them in the dryer again and just keep doing that. Mm-hmm. Or the hot water wasn't working, so she would put water in the pot oh, and man. heat it up, and then put it in the bathtub so we could have hot water. Yeah, yeah you just got to think like that. So because we had already been through stuff like that, like okay, the electricity is out. Oh, we'll just use candles, and then mm-hmm. by day, you know, we can use the light from outside until then. We got to order out or mm-hmm. order takeout and stuff like that until we get the electricity on so it's just my family always found ways to figure it out so even when i was in my car i was kind of like okay i know this so i can figure this out exactly exactly and it's kind of similar to because i grew up in albania uh Mm. in the 90s Uh, that's where i'm from i was born there wow and so every single day there was no lights and you had to time the water Mm. you had to time the water so it was like you could you but luckily my parents they were like one was an architect, one was like an engineer, like wow. electronics. So they, they kind of, so you have creative engineers that know how to work the lights, know how to, they needed a the generator, they got it. So it was kind of like, but watching like the surroundings of how poor that country is and how the, the, the there was no water, like you mm-hmm. have to be 10 minutes, 10 minutes is all you got. And then you have to wait another like, two, three hours or else the neighbor would complain because you would share the gallons of water that was in the roof. Wow. Lived that in like five stories. So then, but then my parents being creative, like they were like engineers. They were like, you know what? We're just going to create our own little pump. Like, and just go from our water and just use our own water because like, there's no point of like arguing with neighbors and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And so, but the struggle is very similar, but not really at the same time because it's like, there was no the point of no lights is what killed a lot of people because not everybody could afford lights they were doing like candles and yeah like that so yeah why your parents are so smart that's mm-hmm. so creative mm-hmm. they were like you know what let's just because i mean you gotta think they're like creative they're like one was an architect wow one was a radio electronics so he knows how to mess up with wires he knows how to like fix stuff like you can take like a uh, uh, stuff out of a out of a let's see out of a clock take those wires and put it in like a psp wire like one of those like playstation wow like that's the kind of you know what i mean so that's the kind of household i grew up in so it's like there's a lot of like standards i gotta like meet but at the same time like i understood the struggle they had to go through because when they grew up they didn't have that luxury they had to go Mm. through what they saw happening when they actually were kind of well off Mm. you see what i mean so that was yeah so to learn that it was like wow like i could definitely i I could see why you went to school at school at night and worked during the day like i could see why you did that pops and yeah 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 that's so coming in there and coming to america and it's like similar you know what i mean like when Mm. i lived in new york i was like new york city is a third world country the attitude's the same yeah for sure it's just the the money yeah yeah so it's, it's, it's crazy because we had a show in New York and um usually like the hotels that we're in are pretty like they're small but it's like it's just me but there was one tour that I was on and the, the room was beautiful but it mm-hmm. just felt like a beautiful closet. I was just <laughs> like what and then I had a couple of my homegirls um who were gonna come over who I've been on another tour with and I just kept apologizing, like, I'm so sorry. Like, one of you can sit on the bed. I have a computer chair right here. I'm so sorry it's so small. And they looked at me like, small, girl, this is nice. <laughs> I'm thinking, like, what do y'all be staying in? Yeah. This is a closet. But they just made it seem like it was just so nice. And mm-hmm. it was nice. It was just, 
as soon as you take two steps, you're in the bathroom mm. and the living room and the bedroom all at the Jesus. same time. Jesus. How do you maneuver? Like, what about your equipment? How did you, because I'm pretty sure you had a lot of equipment, like the guitar, the bass. Yeah, the bed took up half of the room. And like, and like I say, it was really, it was really nice. It was just really small. So oh, yeah. my amp was like in the, I don't even know if you can call it a hallway, but it was really small. <laughs> um, and then I had my guitar. My suitcase had to stay in um, the, or underneath the bed. And then, um, yeah, it was a couple of things I just had to keep on the tour bus because it was just so small. Jesus. Yeah, I mean, that's New York apartments too. It's insane. Wow. It's insane. Like, I think my friend was paying, she was bougie anyways. And <laughs> $2,700 a month for a studio apartment on um, Upper East Side. And the, oh, she's fancy. And the reason why she did that is because there's a doorman next door. And I was like, you bougie little bitch. Like, oh, you wow. gotta stop. Like, you gotta, like, you wasted $2,700 a month just to, and you're going to school, like, dancing. Like, mm. yeah, that is, like, you were struggling to pay that off, but she's, she found a way and it's like you could leave, you could live cheaper you know yeah. what i mean like yeah you don't you don't have to barely eat just so you can pay the rent just because there's a dorming next door like you gotta relax you gotta stop watching sex in the city like, <laughs> i love that show <laughs> it's just stocking it but that's how she was living it was like you, you felt like she was carrie and it's like you're not oh carrie. yeah no carrie was making bank so yeah. <laughs> i don't think she was in school she was already making bank mm -hmm. i think she was working from home from what i remember yeah she was working from home just writing her columns mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and i was like you're not that just gotta mm -hmm. go to your dance class or go to queens <laughs> go somewhere else where it's cheaper oh. don't rent but she found convenience. She was like, yeah. my school is like 10 stops. And it's like, yeah, but 2700 a month could go somewhere else where you could make it back. Yeah. Double. Yeah. I'm sorry. but And I was like, you know what? To each his own. You know, you've learned it. Now she's back in Colorado doing her thing. But Nice. So, but yeah, it's, it's New York City. When it comes to spots, eh, you got to be very, very picky. I was fortunate enough to only pay $400 a month at one point. Wow. So that That's was really good. But I was staying on the couch in the studio apartment. Mm. So it was like, ooh, I don't want to see my friend sleeping every morning. Like, no, I'm not. Wait, 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 wait. Not, no, no, I'm, I'm out. So then I was like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm out. But yeah, it was. So yeah, Baltimore and, but DMV area is very different. Very different. Very spacious, depending on where you are. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've, um, I've never really been. I mean, I've been to Baltimore, but, you know, just, I've never really stayed mm -hmm. long. Mm -hmm. So I don't, I mean, I have a, a cousin who lives there who I, we used to visit when we were younger. Um, but I've never actually been there. But yeah, like been, been. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, moving on a little bit. Now, besides guitar, you did a little bit of theater as well. Yeah. Break down that. How was that experience for for you? I, theater oh my gosh it helped me so much because like i said like i was really the awkward one in mm -hmm. the family <laughs> it was bad like my siblings they're all social butterflies except for one my brother alex mm -hmm. um but the, at the time he was still little and there'll be times where i would just go upstairs in my parents room, just quiet mm -hmm. And sit there in the mornings, and my mom and dad would be looking at me like, "What's wrong? What's wrong?" I would just shake my head. I wouldn't say anything because even when it came to my family, sometimes I didn't know how to express myself. Like mm -hmm. I feel lonely, or I wish I had friends too, or mm -hmm. you know, all I have is my siblings. And then the friends that I did have in the neighborhood, like I, they just—I knew they thought I was weird, and mm -hmm. you know, sometimes they would laugh at some of the things I would say and do, and I just couldn't understand. It couldn't mm -hmm. register to me. Like, how come I can't, mm -hmm. you know, be one of the normal girls? Mm -hmm. So then when it came to theater, and it's like all these other weird people, and yep. they made me feel so mm -hmm. comfortable with myself. Mm -hmm. And I discovered things and different emotions in myself that I didn't know that I had. I didn't know that I, I liked performing mm 
because mm-hmm. even when I was playing out when I was younger, I would just sit in the chair and play my guitar and just be in a little ball all oh, by man. myself. Mm-hmm. But when I did theater, I just love performing. I love taking on the persona of somebody else. Like mm-hmm. today, I'm gonna be this girl or this mm-hmm. guy or this person. So I was supposed to do math because I was really, really good at it. My dad thought I was gonna be a mathematician. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I just I didn't find happiness in that. Everybody in the classes, you know, it was like fifty, sixty of us, and nobody really, you know, spoke to each other. Mm-hmm. Then I tried. Um, econ and i i didn't i didn't like it the same mm-hmm. thing but with theater it was all these connections and mm-hmm. involvement and stories and i love the research on other people's lives and the time period and you know emotions and what's that your, really helped me with performing what's your favorite character because i did acting as well i did i studied in new york film academy so when you were saying that it helped me break out of a shell i felt the exact same way Mm. there was certain roles I was doing like Meisner I was doing the techniques of Meisner I was doing film school I went to New York Film Academy so I was doing like film mostly so when you mentioned the the aspect of like being being with the weird kids one thing you learn is in acting is if you're not weird don't be an actor yeah yeah <laughs> yeah don't do not be an actor you need to be weird to be an actor because improvising there's yeah. a lot, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, like there's there's the lines in the scripts and stuff like that, but there's also improvising. There's also getting to know that character. What does that character want out of it? How is he going to get this? You know what I mean? What's, yeah. You know what I mean? So there's a lot of, who was your favorite character in that emotional life? Who did you connect with? What type of characters did you connect with emotionally? I mean, I always found a little connection in everything. Mm-hmm. Like, even if I wasn't, even if I wasn't, you know, directly, uh, involved like there was one time I played Lady Macbeth and she was a bitch <laughs> but those emotions of of power mm-hmm. and wanting somebody else to succeed just so I can get that success mm-hmm. or living through somebody else I've experienced that before mm-hmm. but uh, there's another time where I played I think it was Lady in Red and um, what was that play called with Janet Jackson and the guy who throws his kids out the window. Um, oh gosh, I'm good. I don't think you're talking about. I forget the name, but we did the play in school, mm-hmm. and I played the woman whose kids got thrown out the window. Mm-hmm. But it's not like the movie where it's all these different characters. It's literally just these women who are saying these monologues, and then my monologue, I'm having to describe all this stuff, and it's like, okay, well, I don't have any kids, and they've never been thrown out the window, but I've experienced okay. loss. Mm-hmm. But I think my favorite was Mary Church Terrell. Okay. Um, she was an activist, mm-hmm. uh, one of the first African American women to like earn a college degree, and she was really um, involved in the civil rights movement. And she taught in the Latin department at uh, M Street School. It was some high school in D.C., and she created the Delta Oath for my sorority. Nice. And it was in my Alexander Technique class. Mm. And that was the first time I really experienced what it was like to really, really have to, like, she, our teacher, oh, God, I loved her (laughs) so much. She was really, really hard on us to the point where we had to figure out what animal represented our character oh my god yes yes i remember doing (laughs) exercises like that i'm like oh my god are you kidding me i have to sit here for 20 minutes and figure out what animal Uh, a lion she'd be like no it's not a lion Marn. yeah you know what i'm like mary church terrell was a lioness Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. so we had to walk around and be these animals and there was one class where she made us fight each other yep it felt like have you ever watched america's next time model here and there it felt like a challenge from tyra oh god it felt like tyra was like okay this is your challenge you all have to be an animal okay now fight each other and it's like she could tell when we were bullshitting and then we would have to keep going Mm -hmm. until people were crying one girl almost left the class it was so hard Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. oh yeah you see that a lot oh my gosh like in my school at new york film academy we had this thing called meisner technique 
mm-hmm. where it's all emotion, like, you know, the back and forth, yellow, 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 yellow. But you're supposed to pick up tones of voices and pick up mm-hmm. emotions mm-hmm. like yellow, yellow. And then you take those and you make a whole script. There was people in the classroom where, because the classroom were next to each other. So you could hear people next door breaking shit because they were angry and they were so deep in the character. Wow. One guy hyperventilated so like he got so angry. I me too. I actually got so angry at one point, but and that I couldn't stop speaking. I, I my mouth I was like what are you doing? I was like I can't speak and I'm so angry and I'm still my become numb. I become numb. She was like, go drink some water, do something. But lucky for me, I didn't have to like faint. One kid fainted. He got yeah. so like angry. He got so into. He just fainted. And then uh, one other kid made this other girl go to the hospital. And it was just like a crazy like like this is insane. Like characters, different characters, different emotions. Because you got to remember, there's different kids from all over the world in that school. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't just American kids. It was like different cultures, all all in one for eight hours. Mm. like jesus christ like you had group a group b and it was just oh man yeah but i mean it's the stuff that you learn about yourself Mm -hmm. even through these characters like wow i didn't know that that was inside of me Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. all of that especially i mean all of my theater classes even from directing and like shop and just everything theater Mm -hmm. but figuring out that wow all of this is inside of me mm-hmm. that really helped me figure out my performance style where it's mm-hmm. like if you don't believe it when you're on stage and you're this character the audience won't believe you mm-hmm. and if you have to do the most to try to prove it to the audience they'll see you trying and it's kind of like an insult because yeah. you're telling them that you think they're too stupid to figure it out yep. so even when i'm on stage playing guitar and i take on this persona if i really believe it and i think that in my mind and i act like that they're in the palm of my hand mm-hmm. i could do whatever i want with you mm-hmm. because i believe it so you really think that this is me and mm-hmm. for that moment it is mm-hmm. and i would not be able to do that right now if it wasn't for the air mm-hmm. so it's more of like you 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 lean towards the reaction yeah you know i mean you're more of the reactor as opposed to like the one that makes the actions most of the time is that where am i or am i wrong i i it just depends like mm-hmm. on the performance like i know when i'm on stage like the big big stages mm-hmm. like even even without reading the audience just going out there and believing that i really am this person i am this i am this being and i am this rock star slash diva extraordinaire you're you're gonna believe me because i'm really out there thinking this to myself mm-hmm. when i'm playing to the point where sometimes i black out yep and mm-hmm. i'll walk off that stage and people will really like some people will come up to me after a show and be like oh my god you're so this you're so that you're da 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 and it's like no i i'm none of these things mm-hmm. and then when i'm out and i'm not really talking or you know i'm leaving right after the show or something like that and i'm not that person on stage they don't get it but mm-hmm. I don't need it anymore after that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's it's a barrier that you completely took took over and like mastered it. Mm-hmm. So, which is crazy. Now you mentioned big stages. Now let's get down to it. Now the one of the big stages that you did was working with Beyonce. How did mm-hmm. that come about? How did the agency contact you? Uh, through Instagram. That's how I get most of my work. Actually, Instagram. I got a few gigs from Jam Card, and then just some of my friends just being wonderful people and just recommending me for stuff Mm -hmm. um but that one was my first big one from instagram and they dm me actually before like it had to be september and i missed it because i wasn't checking my dms so my sister i just recently asked her to start checking them and doing all stuff and she was telling me that you know you got a message from parkwood I'm thinking Parkway, what's that? So I know I heard of it before, but I couldn't figure it out. Mm-hmm. But then I found out whose company it was. 
So my first thought wasn't, oh, I'm going to be playing for Beyonce. I knew she had Chloe and Hallie. So I was like, oh my God, like there's a possibility I can play for one of her artists. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Then I spoke to her music director and I had watched um, that interview, how I got the gig with Victoria. Victoria mm-hmm. was her piano player at one point and she played for Stevie Wonder. Mm-hmm. And she was talking about how the music director at the time told her she had to play two Beyonce songs so she knew what the gig was. And the music director, Derek Dixie, told me to play, oh, well, you can play these two songs. You can send it to me by this time. Da, 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 da. So I knew as soon as he said resentment, it's Beyonce. So I was in New York doing an agency gig, freaking out with my guy friends. And they were like, oh, my God, this is so tight. Because people have been telling me for years somebody's going to pick you up. But after a while, I just stopped believing it. Mm-hmm. You know, I was about to be, I think I was about to be 20 four and 25 at the time and i was just content with playing in dc i never thought i was going to go on the road i always wanted to but i wasn't going to press it if it wasn't meant to be right yeah and then to get that was crazy and then the, that was coachella right or was that yeah that was coachella Shout out yeah. to Ben. Ben, uh, he did he most he does the videographer that helped with that. I love Ben. He was he was one of the videographers. I actually did something with him for uh, I put him on Cliche Magazine. I featured him on Cliche Magazine a while back, and he had just got back from the tour on the, on the run tour, mm. and he was telling me it was like, man, being a tour videographer is not what's up like that. It's like a lot of work, a lot. Yeah, of work. I'm like yeah, so. Yeah, but what was we hung it? out a lot on that tour, mm-hmm. Ben and I, and he mm-hmm. would hang out with one of my homegirls, and just the late, early mornings and late nights, mm-hmm. Ben and, and Dave, and it Dave, was Ben yeah. and Dave, they they worked so hard, but the content that they came up with, oh, all yeah. the photographers and videographers mm-hmm. for the tour, they did such nice, they're such hard workers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What was your favorite like moment of the Coachella when you were on stage? Do you remember that, like a specific? For Coachella? Yeah. Um, I think, I think um, just the whole experience of being on stage with everybody, mm-hmm. because you couldn't hear it because we didn't have mics, like mm-hmm. our instruments did, but we didn't have mics. But the whole time you could hear people yelling and screaming yeah get it i see you like everyone was encouraging each other mm-hmm. and because of the speaker spacing outward uh-huh. the audience couldn't hear it and we had we all had in-ears in but if you could take one out just a little bit you can hear everybody encouraging each other mm-hmm. or people in talk back mics like saying very encouraging words to each other mm-hmm. so it was just so nice to know even when i was standing in the middle of the stage and my heart was beating out of my chest, mm-hmm. just hearing everybody around me and mm-hmm. everybody encouraging each other was so comforting. and so like, it would get you so hyped. Mm-hmm. And to be able to connect with so many, because that tool was huge. The Coachella was huge. And there's a lot of people on stage performing with Beyonce. So there's a lot of different characters. So to be able to work together in such a big capacity, that's, that must have been hectic, but also something you learned from as well, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely learned a lot. Mm-hmm. I learned a lot through that and mm-hmm. um, about myself and about the way I work with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it was a life-changing experience. And mm-hmm. I'm honestly really, really glad that was my first tour because I got called for two other tours mm-hmm. and two other well, two other big shows that year, and I didn't get either one of them. I didn't get either one of them, and I was so sad. Like, I was crying, and mm-hmm. the guy I was dealing with at the time um, was just, he was so awful to the point where, like, he kind of made me feel like I didn't deserve to go on that tour, yeah. and if I did, like, you know, it was kind of like me leaving, mm-hmm. abandoning him, and I was almost dumb enough to really think to myself that, oh my gosh, like, well, I don't want to leave him and, you know, uh, this could be my forever and da 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 da. And after a while, I was like, girl, 
it's torn. <laughs> like it's niggas everywhere. It's a billion of them out in the world. Mm-hmm. Like it's so many people in this world and you're not going to sacrifice your dream for this one who has nothing going on. And I was telling my homegirl the other day, because she's going through a breakup right now, and she's so beautiful and smart and funny and successful. Mm-hmm. And we allow people who have nothing going on in their lives yep. to convince us that we're down on their level mm-hmm. or that we're lower than them mm-hmm. and that we're not worthy and it's like looking from the outside like as a <laughs> friend i'm like girl what this nigga is tripping <laughs> like he has nothing going on and she's so beautiful and he has the nerve to make her feel like she's beneath him mm-hmm. no it's the toxicity yeah it's the toxicity and it's it's hard to break from you know yeah, but it's it's tough it's tough but i'm glad you actually like chose like whoa man like this is tour like forget that like yeah and i got a family i gotta take care of like mm-hmm. I, i'm not sacrificing my like i would i tell myself this every day especially for the ones that i i really love but my fa- i will murder somebody i will go to jail for you Mm-hmm. I'll give you my last dime. I'll do whatever I have to do to make sure that my siblings and my parents are taken care of, whatever I can do. Mm-hmm. So I'd be damned if I let somebody who's temporary mm-hmm. mess up the potential for me to take care of my family. What? No. <laughs> yeah. I mean, now you mentioned you went on two, uh, two big tours. You were also part of the Sweetener tour with Ariana Grande. Yeah, I was opening with Normani. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How was that experience and working with those people? Because those are two different spaces. Like you had Beyonce and then you go from that spectrum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. It was, that one was rough. Only mm-hmm. because like, you know, with Beyonce, because she's so established, she has this huge team and a lot of people who do things for you so it was a lot of stuff that i as my first tour i was with beyonce for the whole year right mm-hmm. so a year of people just taking care of you and making sure you're really good because they know what they're doing mm-hmm. and normani that was her first you know tour by herself so um there were a lot there's not as many people around her mm-hmm. you know and she's still figuring things out. Her team is still figuring things out. Her mom, her dad are there. You know, so sweet. But it's like a lot of stuff that we had to fend for ourselves for because, you know, she's just starting out. And I'm sure Beyonce probably went through the same thing when she mm-hmm. first started too. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't have that same. You're not going to have a team that's 20 years of experience versus this is your first tour by yourself. So it was a lot of stuff that I had to fight for. And a lot of anger and frustration because there's a lot of things that I didn't have to figure out on my first tour that I was now figuring out. Mm-hmm. And there was almost like this sense of entitlement mm-hmm. that I had to let go of because I had to realize like not every tour is going to be the same. Yeah, it's Beyonce, but you have to realize there's only one Beyonce. Yeah. So all these other tours, no matter how good they are, it's not going to be like that. No. So you have to learn to adjust. And I think with that tour, I really had to sit on myself and learn like, mm-hmm. to adjust and to humble myself. Mm-hmm. I mean, and you got to see it. I saw it on the Homecoming Tour a documentary. Every corner that Beyonce was, somebody was right there mm-hmm. catering to her needs. Yeah. Because she needed to have a perfect performance. So, but the composure that she held, oh my Lord, I'm like, you are well-trained. Like, good for you. The com- yeah. I, I used to look up to her when I was a little girl mm-hmm. and being on that tour, doing Coachella and watching her work, I look up to her even more now mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. because all that stuff that she talks, she's really about that. Mm-hmm. All what those are, things that people say about her is true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you have a specific advice from her that you got during those periods of time when you worked? Now, besides Beyonce, you also had a pleasure of working with Jay-Z. Well. yeah yeah well. he was so, so cool. Mm-hmm. But, was so cool but do you have any advice from both of them that you took from these tours or not necessarily or? advice but i would 
just their demeanor and mm-hmm. watching how they worked. Like they worked really hard, but it's mm-hmm. like, even though they were the bosses, like they were in charge, this was their tour. Mm-hmm. But they would always say hello. Mm-hmm. They would always smile. They were always so kind. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you could still treat me, I'm just the hired help. Mm-hmm. And the stagehands or whoever and you could still say hi you could still hold a conversation with me like we're on the same level even though we're clearly not yeah and there were people on tour on other tours that i've been on who had this high and mighty attitude i'm like it's crazy how people act like this but beyonce who's beyonce doesn't even (laughs) act like that exactly (laughs) she doesn't even act like that yeah. So that's another thing that I took with me when I was still learning how to humble myself. Like, who am I to act so entitled when the queen, the first lady of music, doesn't even act like that? Yeah. Like, yeah. I need to calm down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and even Hope, you, you could tell from even Hope seems like a relaxed, chill dude. Cause that's what so ben, relaxed. Because that's what Ben told me. Ben was like, working with Hope is like working with your homeboy. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah. shit, really? He was like, yeah, it was just like your homeboy. It's like, what's up? You cool? Hey, take a photo here. Take a photo here. Oh, you want to take a photo here? Cool. Let's do it. I was like, oh, okay, cool. Because he's got to cater to everybody because there's a lot of money being put down, too. Yeah. there. It's crazy because, you know, she came from, you know, uh, I guess it was like middle class. I'm a middle class family. Mm-hmm. And then he came from the streets. Yeah. So for both of them to come from these different places and really, for real, for real, be self-made millionaires, mm-hmm. but still act like they both come from, they still have the attitude of people who come from humble mm-hmm. beginnings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you have, like, isn't he almost a billionaire now? But he still acts like that. And he yeah, can still talk to me. Mm-hmm. You know? I, I, think it's the, um, I think it's the mentality of when Biggie said, uh, treat everything like an internship. No matter mm. how big you get, treat like treat everything like an like you're an intern. Don't act like mm. you're the big shot in the room because somebody else next door might come and just shut your whole shit down. So yeah, um, it was it, that's one of the things. So I think that's kind of like a key. And also, you have two different backgrounds. So yeah, you have Hove and you have Beyonce, two different backgrounds, learning to adjust. You know what I mean? Together to the point where I love this part where one caters to Puma and the other one caters to Adidas. And yeah, they're both, and they're both competitors, but they're both bringing the bag home from competitors. Yeah, you know, and Puma and Adidas were actually brothers in real life. Wow, I did not know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, because Adidas, uh, Adidas is actually a German name. Adi is the first name, and Das is the last name. Wow, I, yeah. I, Adi, I like that. Mm-hmm. Adi, and uh, yeah, and then the brother. I guess they had a fallout. And then the, one of the brothers created Puma in 1948, and they just became competitors. Wow. Yeah, crazy. So it's funny how they brought that together. Not a lot of people realize. I'm like, yo, did you realize they brought the brothers together? Like, I don't know. That's and you, it's stuff like that. Like, mm-hmm. when I see, like, on Instagram, when Shade Room or Spiritual Word, or just anything where they post, like, Beyonce and Jay-Z. Mm-hmm. And then you have trolls who are like, oh, y'all worship them. You worship them. Like, mm-hmm. they're not even that hot. They're not that talented. They're not this. They're not that. Mm-hmm. And I just think to myself, like, dog, if you only knew mm-hmm. this stuff that they show on social media is way less mm-hmm. than what they're actually. Like, the fact that they spent so much money on that tour sending black kids to college mm-hmm. for free yep. and it's like just to be so giving mm-hmm. to the fans to your staff to the other performers on stage like i don't care i'll always be a stan and not because i'm already in love with the music but because i'm so in love with the way that they treat people mm-hmm. and i aspire to be like that Mm-hmm. It's them and Alicia Keys who mm-hmm. I I just love their attitude so much. Favorite artist right there, Alicia Keys, is my favorite R and B. She's so sweet. I love oh, her. Man. 
Oh man, I think, and I, I actually go to the building that she grew up in in Hell's Kitchen a lot. Uh, it's on. Really? Uh, it's on. I think who grew up in there? Because um, I'm friends with uh, what's that guy from Scrubs? Oh, uh, oh my gosh, a Faison, a Faison, Donald Faison, Donald. Faison. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm really good friends with his family, like his friends, uh, wow. his, uh, his brothers. Because I remember, I, well, I was tripping. I, I go in there. This is funny. Like I go in the apartment. I'm like, yo, why do you guys have so many photos of Donald Faison? Like, what the? And I didn't put the last name together. And he was like, oh, that's my brother. I was like. You mean to tell me this is the spot he grew up in? He's like, oh yeah, Alicia Keys grew up in this building. Uh, Howard, uh, what's his name? Oh my God, he played a uh, hus- uh, hustle and flow. Oh, uh, uh, Howard, Terrence something. Howard, Terrence Howard. They all grew up in that same building. That's mm. crazy. That is crazy. It's like, yeah, and he started telling me the story. But yeah, so it's it's crazy. Like a lot of stories come out of that building. It's on 44th and 9th, 44th and 9th. It's like a big brick building. It's like 40 years old, 43 years old. Yeah. Wow. That's, wow. Mm -hmm. So if you're ever in that area, you'll definitely notice like, oh man, I think I know this, this, the apartment. It's like two blocks, two Mm -hmm. apartment buildings like that. But yeah, it's insane. See, now I have to seek that out on my next tour. Mm -hmm. Next Mm -hmm. tour when I go there. Mm -hmm. Speaking of next tour, who do you like to tour with next? Um, well, I I would love to do uh, a rap gig. Mm. Like I, I've done some, like I'm starting to now at St. John and that's been very interesting. Mm-hmm. Just the difference in how, cause I, my first like big thing that I did, mm-hmm. it wasn't really a tour, but I did a show with, um, designer nice. and, um, that was back when, you know, Timmy Turner and all that stuff was hot. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. now, four years later, to do St. John and realize the, the similarities and how, like, new rappers work, it's very mm-hmm. free. Like, because mm-hmm. they, they know what they hear, but they don't really know what they want. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, because they don't know the possibilities of working with the band, they're like, okay, well, you just do you, but I want this vibe. It's very like, okay, so you have a lot to figure out, but it's fun because you get to really express create. Mm-hmm. and create. Mm-hmm. So I would love to do a rap gig. I would love to do like Drake. Cole already has a killing band. Kendrick already has a killing band. I know I'm not going to get in that. No, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, nah, they're they smashing. And Jay Z's band, like when we got to play with them, was, mm-hmm. man, I learned so much. But mm-hmm. uh, Cole, Drake, or. Um, I would love to be a hooligan with Bruno Mars. Oh. <laughs> but they're all homeboys, so I know that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, uh, have you ever seen, have you ever been live on the St. John show? I've, I've, I've worked with St. John before, and his energy and the way he picks up people is very like. Yeah. He, he did it in London. I, I, I took photos of him in London. Mm. And uh, the crowd kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And then wasn't shy at all he just went and jumped in the middle of the crowd dancing with the crowd i got footage of it everywhere and then outside of that he's just a normal chill you know how you doing type of vibe you know what i mean it's very i told him he's like if prince and slash had a baby and that baby decided it wanted (laughs) to be a rapper (laughs) i told him that's what he is and he started laughing yes yes he does give that yes (laughs) Yes, he does. And he's so energetic, so I love yeah. it. Like, he, he did something at Dash Radio. It was only like two, three, like, it wasn't like a big crowd because that's, that location had just opened, so people weren't really aware of it. Mm-hmm. But even with like, even the seven people that were there, he was just like hyping them up and getting ready to go. And it was like treating it like a concert. Mm-hmm. I was like, man, he's a very energetic. And I remember talking to Simone, who's his, like his PR person and she's mm. telling me he's like yeah well saint john is like you better be ready like you better be energetic oh, yeah. and ready to yeah. go you know what i mean um you collaborated with him recently as well yeah um, mm-hmm. it was the it was the xfinity bbma's mm-hmm. like pre-show and then we did ellen together mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you mentioned something about in the beginning where you because i looked back at the video and you mentioned something about the the being in that character and you know figuring out the character and 
and then being able to play off off of it with you as far as you know in the video when i watched the video it felt like you and saint that was a, like a connection like you guys had known each other for like 20 years right <laughs> it was you just, know what i still got girls in my dm saying bitch don't take my man i don't know mm -hmm. what the fuck you think like girl girl i promise you you can have him mm -hmm. it's okay mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> don't worry girl yep. he's still single yep and it, he loves it too he loves the single life he said it so many times too yeah <laughs> you know so it's like you gotta relax you know but but it, yeah it was like and then i looked back at the research i was like it's got to be the theater in that oh yeah that's yeah, even that. in rehearsal he was doing that like he would come up and like i could tell what kind of vibe he was on mm -hmm. and i remember the most important advice that my professors gave me and the one the pro my theater professors gave me this and i use it to this day in music the answer is always yes mm -hmm. yes mm -hmm. i'll do it Mm -hmm. Because once you say no and you cut that off, you're mm -hmm. cutting off so many different things. Not unless it's something that's really going to no, make you that's, compromise that's, your beliefs. That's rule number one in uh, improvising. That's yeah. the first thing the teacher said. Whatever you do in this room, yes. Yes. The answer. I'm like, mm -hmm. no. It's like, no, yes <laughs> is the answer. Like, no. I was like, okay, you're going to be a fucking weird one. Okay, I could tell. Like, all right, yeah. cool, let's do this. You have to say yes. And mm -hmm. even when we were rehearsing, and I had just gone off the plane and we had to rehearse that night. And mm -hmm. he, I could see the way he was moving. Mm -hmm. And he would like look me in my eyes. And I could look away if I wanted to, but I'm like, no, I'm going to look you right back in your mm -hmm. eyes. Mm -hmm. And he would get all up in my face. Okay, I'm going to get up in your face too. I'm mm -hmm. going to reciprocate this energy because I see what you're asking of me without you even asking it. And I'm going to give you that. Mm -hmm. And then there'd be times where he would come behind me and hold my hands while I was playing guitar or he would mm -hmm. touch my face. Like there was this connection. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to break that off because of my own insecurities. Yes. We're yes. just going to go with this and we're going to mm -hmm. see how it goes. And that performance, looking at it, it, it was so vibey. I love yeah. looking at that video. Mm -hmm. I watched it like three, four times. Cause I'm a huge fan of St. John's. I watched it like three, four times trying to figure out. I'm like that chemistry, like that's got it. That's a strong chemistry. And then I read your, and I was like, man, she knows how to use the emotions right. <laughs> she knows how to because it's Saint John is a very like eclectic person. Like you yeah. different 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 vibes every left and right. It's like you never yeah. know what to expect from him. So that's that's good training, man. That theater must have been wow. I mean, it's it's what you know like with theater. It's about getting the character and living mm -hmm. in these real life circum real life situations under like imaginary circumstances. Mm -hmm. But if you take that stuff and apply it to your real life, it's so many things you can do. Mm -hmm. So you have to actively choose to make this real. Mm -hmm. Say yes to those things that you want. You really dive into whatever you want to be. This rock star, you want to be a photographer, you want to be a dancer, dive into that. For real, don't play. Like, mm -hmm. really do that. There's so many things from theater that we just applied it to our real lives. Yep. Mm -hmm. it's so, we can go so far. And mm -hmm. that's what I'm going to do. That's what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then part of that is saying yes. Part of that is saying, saying yes. yes to being open, being, being, being able to accept things in life. Because that's how you really figure out who you are. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You figure out whether you're a persistent person, whether you could be a, a lazy person. Or not. There's so many different. That's why I recommend people to take some acting classes. Yeah. It, it will help you develop who you really are. Yeah. You know, don't worry about the lines. Don't worry about the scripts. That'll all fall into play because people have a tendency to, to, oh, I can't remember my lines. And you'll figure it out. There's certain mm -hmm. ways you could do, there's techniques on it that you could do. You know what I mean? Like read the first pair, read the first three paragraphs five times and then move on to the next five and, you know, start from the beginning in that whole page. Yeah. There's different techniques. Don't worry about that. Just by the end of this eight months, six months course, you're going to be, whoa this is who i really am that's kind of cool yeah you know. i'm really desperate to get back into alexander technique classes even just for the movement by itself mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. working from the outside in and that that really helped me mm -hmm. because trying to develop this person on the outside and then working on the bits and pieces going on the inside mm -hmm. from the way you dress to the way you walk to the way you 
turn your head and 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 you look at people mm-hmm. to the inside mm-hmm. like that can help like even with you trying to be a more confident person well start by being more confident on the outside yep and then once you start convincing yourself on the outside by the way you walk and talk and the way you look people in the eye you really start to believe those things mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's it's a beautiful thing man I mm-hmm. love it. I yeah. love it. I love it. I love it. Do you have any advice you'd like to keep people like to give to people that are coming up like you did or? Oh yeah. Um, just be patient. Mm-hmm. Everybody's where they're supposed to be right now. So even if your friends are getting these tours and you're not, you're not getting the gig, just keep going. Mm-hmm. Keep going. If you really want it, it's going to happen. Like you have to manifest it. And even when it seems like there's no end in sight, accept it and keep going. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, um, for everybody who's starting, you know, getting tours and big gigs and stuff, save your money. Mm-hmm. Save your money. Like even with my first tour, like I kept hearing, especially from my my younger sister. Well, my sister is their dance teacher, Paula Brown. She was on Fame and she was in school days. She's a dancer. And she was just talking about how she was a teenager. She was on the road, 19. And she lived off of her per diem, which is maybe $50 mm-hmm. a day. Mm-hmm. But by the time I was touring, I was 24, 25. So Shoot. I got bills to pay. <laughs> so I would take half of my check. Put it in a savings account. The other half was for bills mm-hmm. and then to live off of. Save your money. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about what other people are buying. That designer stuff don't mean nothing. The dr- alcohol, the drugs, the shoes, none of that matters. Because when stuff like this happens, like a pandemic, and you don't have money to pay your bills, but you have a Gucci belt, you can't eat that. Yeah. Save your money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And a person's advice will only take you as far as it took them. So be careful who you listen to. Yes. And, be uh, careful who you listen to. People will sabotage you. There mm-hmm. are some lovely, lovely people in this business, but there are people who will smile in your face mm-hmm. and give you advice and talk to you and, and, and try to make it seem like they're your friend. But deep down inside, we all feel it. I have a friend like that right now. Not even my friend. I honestly just keep her around because I know that she's talking shit about me. <laughs> I know it's her. So I kind of just listen to her to see what she's saying. And she'll try to say that it's other people and like she's checking on me. Mm-hmm. But I know she's trying to figure out other things to tell people. Mm-hmm. But you got to keep people like that in your back pocket so you know what the streets are saying. Mm-hmm. But watch who you listen to mm-hmm. and go with your gut. It's your life. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing that acting teaches you, how to read people. That is so true. It's it's a blessing and a curse mm-hmm. because you'll sometimes, <laughs> I, just, I know you do it too. If you look, <laughs> you really read people and it's like the little things, yeah. the way they, they pause when they talk mm-hmm. or the way they look at you or a hand gesture. Mm-hmm. And it's like, we'll read so deep into it. Sometimes you gotta let it go because, like, yeah. girl, it doesn't even require all that. Yeah. But yes, it's like watching a movie. Like, I'm pretty sure now when you watch a movie, you pick up little things that regular audience don't even pick up because you right. Yeah. Like I was trying to explain to my mother the difference between Denzel Washington and James Earl Jones's performances in A Raisin in the Sun mm-hmm. and why they were so different. And my mom was saying, well, they're both good. Like, I don't see it. And I was trying to explain to her, no, you really, really have to look at them. Mm-hmm. Like, really pay attention to what they're saying. Mm-hmm. The same lines, how they're saying it, mm-hmm. and the intent, mm-hmm. the different motives they have, the verbs that they're using towards their son. Mm-hmm. And you take that with you when you're talking to regular folk. Oh, my God. It's, it's tiring, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's tiring. Mm-hmm. And it's, oh man, now I'm going to get back into acting again, man, that's (laughs) crazy, crazy. And it's like also the rhythm of like, uh, 
scripts also have have to have a rhythm as well. Like, mm-hmm. uh, like yeah. I want the uh, truth. I, I, you can't handle the truth. Like, there's a yeah. dun 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 dun. Yeah, you know what I mean. Instead of as opposed to yeah, well, you can't handle the truth. Nah, 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 nah. It doesn't. You know what I mean. There's so, a pace that you gotta. There's yeah, there's a rhythm to it, and a lot of people don't pick it up. And it's like try to try to learn how to write script script writing. Mm-hmm. You know, oh my god, that's why I, I did that for like a uh, like a month and a half. So just learn how to write screenwriting, and mm-hmm. it's it's a whole. It's like uh, you can write a story based just based on the characters' flaws and the characters. Mm-hmm. Da, 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 and it was like, whoa, this is eye opening. Yeah, crazy, crazy, crazy. There's so many tools to it, man. Yeah. But it helps you figure out who people are from afar. It really, really does. And tone, you pick up tones left and right. Mm-hmm. The tones are the key thing I pick up on people. Like, oh, see, so you're not saying congratulations. You're saying congratulations. Yeah. Right. Right? Oh, my gosh. You're a hater. But that's all yes. right. But I'll keep you, like you said, I'll keep you around. <laughs> right. I'll keep you in my back pocket because now I know. <laughs> yeah. I know it's you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I figured you out. Okay, I got you. Yeah. And, and, and that's, you don't want to do it with people that are quiet, too. People that are yeah. quiet are observant as fuck. And I'm one of them, too. And I'm pretty sure you are, too. Like, you sit there and observe everything. No, see, my problem is, so I am quiet, but I can play the game. So, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, all my friends think I'm so loud and obnoxious and I'm the crazy one. And I can be that person, but trust and believe when I sit there and I, I, I peep, I peep. Mm -hmm. So it's like different, you know, as a theater major, you have to, you have to know who you're dealing with. Mm -hmm. Like you, you when you're in scenes and stuff, but I take that with me in real life now to the point where I know how to read the room and play the role. Mm-hmm. I'm with this kind of person. So this is the kind of attitude that I'm going to take on. Mm-hmm. Cause I know this is what they understand. They won't understand this. Same thing with the different artists I work with. Yeah. I mean, you, you just got to know how to play the game. Mm-hmm. And there's this book that I'm reading 48 laws of power. Mm-hmm. And it's saying the same thing. Like you have to know, read the room, read the room. Mm-hmm. And don't just read it, like really read it. Be a part, pay attention mm-hmm. because everything that you have, all these char- this character, these morals, and all this kind of stuff may not work here. So you have to know yeah. how to adjust. Mm-hmm. It's like Joe Button said uh, there's different corners of the club. Yeah. Learn your corner and stick with it. And yeah. Eventually you'll meet the other corners, but play your part. Mm-hmm. But um, towards the end of the podcast, I do these like rapid 10 questionnaires I got from James Lipton who hosted inside the actor studios. Nice. Um, and the first question is, what is your favorite word? My favorite word? Mm-hmm. Meal. I don't know why. <laughs> I know it's so weird. I really like that word. It's so interesting. Meal. <laughs> <laughs> I think you like the sound and how it just, yeah, meal. Yes. <laughs> meal. <laughs> I like that word. Mm-hmm. What is your least favorite word? Can't. What turns you on in life? Figuring things out. What turns you off in life? Negativity. What sound or noise do you love? Well, the sound when somebody's like rubbing on my eyebrow. <laughs> I like what? that. What sound or noise do you hate? Ugh, when there's a chair on carpet, and instead of picking the damn chair up, you just drag it across the carpet. Oh. I hate that sound. So it makes me cringe. Really? Just pick it up. Just <laughs> God damn it. I can I mean I could see that yeah the little sh- sound yeah, 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 just yeah, pick yeah. up the chair yeah just pick it up don't drag I could see yeah yeah okay okay mm-hmm. what is your favorite curse word fuck what profession other than your own would you like to attempt like attempt in my mind or like attempt for real for real math I want to be a mathematician mathematician what profession would you not like to do Oh, I hate to be a lawyer. <laughs> I really, that's so stressful. You have somebody's life in like, <laughs> your hands. Mm-hmm. No, I don't want that. Pass. <laughs> if uh, heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? 
Hey! <laughs> Any last words you'd like to give to the people? Any shout outs? And where can they follow you on social media? Um, shout out to the whole DMV. Yes, sir. Um, I love a lot of you. There are a few of you that I hate, but I love a lot of you. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't hate you. I just really don't like you. But there are a lot of you that I really do like. Mm-hmm. And you know who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom, my dad, all my siblings, Adriana, Ace, Alana, Alex, Aaron, Andrew, August, and Ava. Love you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and Brianna and Javon, and my nieces, my grandma, um, all of my teachers and professors at PGCC, UMD, Davine School of Music, mm-hmm. um, all of you. And my Instagram is underscore Ariel Neal. Twitter is my government name, Ariel O'Neill. Facebook, Ariel O'Neill. And Snapchat, I only use that for the filters, but sometimes I bless it with you know, an old picture. It's, I think it's like Miss Mocha Girl or something like that. No, no, it's old as hell. <laughs> and thank you for having me. This is this has been a very very lovely conversation. And shout out to your your parents. They're so smart. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> hey, three kids. They raised them so. Yeah, they're G's. Yeah, three boys. So, wow. I'm the, I'm the youngest one. I'm 30. You're the baby? Oh, yeah. my God. I'm 31, so I had wow. to learn. I had to observe from, yeah. I grew up quick. That's one thing about my country is you grew up very quick. I learned how to curse when I was five. I was What? Like, like it, it was, I mean, I was like picking on people when I was like six or seven. I was, yeah. Wow. I was a dickhead. But, uh. Well, I'm glad you've been delivered. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it was a whole, yeah. But, um, yeah. Um, this was, uh, this, yeah, this was nice. This was complete. And shout out to GoGo Music. You know, we yeah. don't get enough to, we don't get enough chance to shout that out. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. Something. Shout out to GoGo Music. I don't care who doesn't like it. That's mm-hmm. our music. Mm-hmm. So, we all need to embrace it. There's a lot of black people who, I know who are like, I don't like that and blah, 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 but it, just know that that is our music mm-hmm. and we have to embrace that. Yep, yep, yep. All right, guys, this has been another episode of Intuitive Minds Podcast featuring the modern day Jimi Hendrix, Ari <laughs> O'Neill. Peace. <laughs>